production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Denise. Hello. And we will be your DJs for this episode (laughs) as we spin a track about classic recording formats and other music music enthusiasm (laughs) okay come on help me out here (laughs) you know y'all know what we're talking about classic formats vinyl cassette tapes Mm -hmm. cd cds (laughs) yeah cds they can be considered a classic (laughs) format by now right or at least Um, not antique, but they're they're old mm-hmm. enough to be classic. They've been around for decades, and yeah, geez. and they're not really used as much anymore. They really aren't. Which is sad because I still I still buy CDs. Yeah, CDs are great. I also buy vinyl. <laughs> yes, and I also now purchase vinyl. Mm-hmm. And what else? What else do you purchase? Cassette tapes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yes. I'm I'm a crazy person. I can't even I can't even believe that cassettes came back. Vinyl I at least I understand. Cassettes? Cassettes? <laughs> it's not something that I would want to listen to everything on. But for certain genres. Yeah. That low low fidelity. Yeah, I guess. Hiss. I guess if the if if it's supposed to be low quality sound, is then yeah, yeah, it's part of the <laughs> experience. That's it. Um, because I my I've been really into dungeon synth lately. <laughs> Explain that. I I know you think everybody knows what dungeon synth is. I promise you they don't. <laughs> and I'm not even sure what the best way to explain it is, just because it's. <laughs> It it's such an eclectic genre <laughs> of electronic music. Uh huh. See, that's pretty much it. Electronic music, electronica. Yeah, it is. A, it's a, it's typically electronic. That doesn't mean they don't throw in a little uh-huh. acoustic or you know a little yeah, electric little guitar or something under. sometimes. Yeah. But, but uh, why is it dungeon? It's dungeon synth because it's the kind of music. You listen. You would listen to if you were in a dungeon, or it's supposed to make you feel like you're in a dungeon, or something like that. Clarify that, please. Uh, <laughs> because I'm like, uh, what kind of dungeon? <laughs> <laughs> of, cor- of course, you want me to. You want me to clarify what kind of dungeon? Um, uh, mo- most of it. Is inspired or pays some homage to fantasy genre, or epic fantasy. So you're talking like a dungeon, like in role playing games. In role playing games, yeah, like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, there you go. 
Yes. Okay. It's kind of a the the name dungeon synth. Mm-hmm. Maybe when it started out, it was a very good dis- description, like a good descriptive uh, name for a genre. Mm-hmm. But it's become such a a diverse or eclectic genre at this point that like dungeon synth is just like one of the tags. Because now there's things like cozy synth, mm-hmm. which it's st- done in the same style, kind of the lo-fi electronic um, ambient mm-hmm. of dungeon synth, but it's not supposed to evoke any kind of dread or om- ominous feelings. It's more nice, like the kind of music you'd listen to if mm-hmm. you were settling down for a nice cup of tea in your hobbit hole. Okay. That, that sort of thing. But it's still done in the same style. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it'd still be dungeon synth, I guess. <laughs> but I listened to a lot of it on, on Bandcamp, which is a not a classic format. Nope. It is the modern as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can buy CDs and vinyl off of Bandcamp. You can, and that's <laughs> and where cassettes. I've you procured too. <laughs> many of my cassettes. So yes, I've procure, procured... A you know a starter collection of cassettes from from Bandcamp. Uh-huh. You listen to it in lo-fi on a digital format, and then you buy the lo-fi cassette yeah. format, <laughs> and it's just great. It's just perfect for it. And I was listening to my music feed a while back, and and I you know was listening to some different dungeon synth, and one of them came up, and it was uh, all dark and. And like an adventure, and then uh-huh. there was some some hip hop and some rapping going yeah. on in the background. And so I was like, okay, this is different, but yeah. I, I dig it. Yeah, that's uh, cool. So yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, anyway, all this interest in uh, physical formats uh, was revitalized because I got a vinyl player for Christmas mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, December, and it's February as we record this, so I've had it about a. About a month. Yeah. Um, and I know, Denise, you've had a vinyl player for a while that you've been mm-hmm. very enthusiastic about. Yep. Is my understanding. Yes. Yes. I think uh, once w- <laughs> once we have a vinyl player, it is just time to call ourselves hipsters. That's fine. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> it, re- it really is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people listen to it and they're like, no, nah, man, don't need any of that. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my... My MP3s or whatever. I guess. But, oh, but MP3s are also becoming a thing of the past. That's true. It's so weird. Because everything is just streaming now. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, yeah, even when you download something on Spotify, it's not an MP3. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, when I first got my vinyl player, I started thinking about all my favorite albums and then I started buying them on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will occasionally hit up the antique stores and then just buy things that I'm like, oh, that looks interesting or find something that I was super excited about finding. I have absolutely bought vinyls just based on the ridiculous cover. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but this cover looks amazing. So far, I have not been disappointed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I'm buying it because it looks ridiculous, <laughs> it's just, 
whatever the sound is, is probably going to be ridiculous and it's probably going to be great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, sometimes impulse music buys that mm -hmm. you, you just buy by the cover to end up being some of the best ones. Yeah. I've had that experience several times with, with CDs with that I've CDs, purchased. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're like at a used music store or something and you're just like, I mm -hmm. have no idea who this is. Yeah, that's the best. But the cover absolutely tells me that I should be listening to this. <laughs> right. It's like if this music is looks is anything like the way this cover looks, mm -hmm. then I'm probably not going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's going to be great. Or if it's just really weird. Yeah. <laughs> if the cover is really weird, then probably the music's going to be kind of weird, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you can still find a lot of your favorite albums on vinyl because that's one of the things I started doing was mm -hmm. searching for some of my favorite albums. And a lot of them are either hard to find on vinyl mm -hmm. or they're not available. Or if you do find it, it's some outrageous price yeah. because there's just not many copies circulating mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. So I just have to wait for them to repress them. Or right. To reissue kind of re them. Release. Yeah. Yep. I'm hoping for a re-release of Messengers by August Burns Red. Mm -hmm. I remember several years back we were looking at at the, an event called Vinyl Day. And Vinyl I think Day. I th yeah, I don't remember when it was, but we there, there's a. And I think it's in May, because uh, I looked it up recently. Um, but yeah, we looked at it one time several years back, and it's Vinyl Day, and it's encouraging uh, the purchase of. Uh, vinyls and I think other physical formats too, like going to your support it, your local record stores and stuff. Is it record store day? Maybe it's record store day and not vinyl day. Yeah, I think it's record store day. Okay, yeah, that's probably right. They, uh, record store day usually has um, a bunch of like sample records or like limited pressings or mm -hmm. something like that that's exclusive to. The record stores to be sold on that day. Yeah. That Which is really neat. Yeah, it is pretty cool. That was one of the records that, that was going to be available in Denton mm. on that record store on the square. Yeah. And Mad World. Yeah, it was years before, you know, I had a record player. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that guy that just buys records just to, <laughs> to hang on the wall. Just to I've hang on the wall. Thought as, about it several times. As wall art and yeah. not, yeah. Yeah, but we're not that level of hipster. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, dodge that bullet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I would love it if that one got repressed and I was able to get that. That'd mm -hmm. be great. We should probably hit up the record store because I doubt that they like got rid of them if they didn't sell them all. True. <laughs> Might be worth investigating. I probably have them there in the bin. Now that you have a record player and I have a record player, we can go to the record store and buy records together. Yes. We can look at all kinds of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. And buy some random things like... Yep. <laughs> What's really nice is if you find that random thing that nobody else wants. Yeah. So it's like $3 or something <laughs> like right. that. And then you're like, okay, well, it's $3. It's $3. So. If I hate it, then I'll hang it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then if it turns out to be awesome, you're like, why does nobody want this? Yeah. <laughs> just, people just don't know. <laughs> okay. So we've had some technical difficulties. <laughs> I just want to put that out there because we were on a roll. 
Yeah, and now we don't really remember where we were. Yeah. So we're going to talk about something now. We're going to talk about something, and it's still going to be... It's going to be related to what we were related. talking about. Um, so if we sound com- completely frustrated with this, <laughs> it's because we are. Sorry. Um, I don't know where we left off. But I'm going to yet again mention that sometimes I buy vinyl just based off of the cover. Because of course I do. Mm-hmm. There's just sometimes you see a ridiculous cover and you just gotta buy it because what's the worst that can happen? It's a terrible album, you still have an amazing cover that you can look at. <laughs> yes, I've done that before. I haven't done that with a vinyl album yet, mm-hmm. but I have done that with CDs before. And yeah. I've made some pretty fantastic finds yeah. purchasing. I have yet to be disappointed. Yeah. Every time I'm. Either going in knowing it's going to be something ridiculous or it's going to be weird. And either way, I'm like, I am here for it. Yes. <laughs> and I bought, so I went to one of the antique stores here in town. Mm-hmm. In Decatur, Texas. Sorry for people that are listening to us in that town, are just, not you know. in town. <laughs> 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 and um, I bought... An album. Just the one with the dude. Yeah, the... so I bought this cover, this album because of the cover. And the cover was like a black and white, um, very fancy house staircase. And on the top of the staircase was a guy in a very cheesy Dracula costume. Arms out, cape extended. And I'm like, what is going on here? What was the phrase you used? Someone lost a bet? Yes. So, and I was like, what is going on here? So I bought it. And then I started looking up who the artist was. Because I was like, I've never heard of this guy. So the album was called Son of Schmilson. And it's an album by Harry Nilsson. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Nilsson. Oh my gosh, that is a fantastic cover. It's amazing. It's an amazing cover. So this is... A follow-up album after his 1971 breakthrough, Nilsson Schmilson. <laughs> <laughs> so, the album features musical contributions from Ringo Starr and George Harrison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Peter Frampton helps out. In some of these songs, the album cover is a photograph of Nilsson dressed as a Dracula-like vampire that was taken at George Harrison's home. <laughs> like, I was like, what? What, what, what? <laughs> this is their eighth studio album. Yeah, I'm like, wow. okay. And somewhere I had read that like, the reason that they did it was because Nilsson lost a bet with, like, Frampton and Harrison. <laughs> but now I don't remember where I read that. So, it could have just been a weird dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harry Nilsson was a banker by day before he was propped up by John Lennon and Paul McCartney as the fabulous songwriter they knew. As one of those guys you read about being able to sing out of the phone book and make it work. 
So I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nilsson. Harry Nilsson. No, doesn't doesn't ring a bell. I have no idea who he is. But he was important to somebody, including mm-hmm. Ringo Starr. Yeah. And Harrison and George Peter Frampton yep. and apparently John Lennon and Paul McCartney really liked him. I was just like, I have no idea who this guy is. But anyway, yes, I bought this album because of this cover. And I was like, I absolutely need this in my life. And all the songs are ridiculous. Yeah. They're absolutely like, I, they all have to be a gag. Like, I can't imagine that he took any of these seriously it sounds like it was a great find it was and i think i paid like five dollars for it yeah (laughs) you know nothing that i was like man this amazing cover is going to cost me 30 bucks because i would be like i don't need that i don't know i don't know who nilson is nilson schmilson nilson schmilson (laughs) i don't need no nilson i don't need it but i was like five bucks absolutely I will take this home, I will listen to it, and it's either going to be ridiculous, fantastic, ridiculously fantastic, or bad. And I'm like, if it's bad, then absolutely just hang it on the wall. And it is worth it for this cover. If you're listening to this right now and you have access to look up the internet. Son of Schmilson. Yes, look up Son of Schmilson. It's it's really great. Spell Schmilson for them. S C H M-I-L-S-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. By Harry Nilsson. By Harry Nilsson. It's the eighth album. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm sure it's on Spotify or something. I'll have to go and check it out. I'm sure it is. Yeah. I haven't done that with vinyls yet. I bought a couple of CDs in the past. Several CDs based on just the cover. Mm-hmm. And... I don't remember the times that I was disappointed. I'm sure I've gotten some that I wasn't that impressed with. But I do remember very much the ones that I d- did turn out to be as awesome as I thought they would be. Yeah. So, it's a win. Mm-hmm. At some point during our last attempt, uh, with all our technical difficulties and stuff. Yeah. Which is, has been really frustrating because this is a really neat episode. Yeah. I like talking about this. Yes. Um, but we talked about cassettes on Bandcamp, mm-hmm. and I was I wanted to 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 hit home the what's going on with the dungeon synth scene and in Bandcamp and maybe in other you know music uh, genres and yeah. subgenres. I mean, you don't yeah. know. Yeah, other subgenres <laughs> and other other music uh, resources that you can purchase from, but these people that do these dungeon synth albums they'll make like 10 or 13 or or you know 24 or some random number that's very incredibly limited mm-hmm. and and they don't you know they don't upcharge for them that much they're about it's usually like five to ten dollars tops mm-hmm. for one of these cassette tapes plus shipping and uh and they just sell out and i'll be scrolling through my music feed and i'll be like that looks cool and i'll go to purchase info and it says cassette tape sold out because mm-hmm. there was only five of them, <laughs> and so I think there's this whole cult culture or subculture of, of 
folks that are just going on there and buying all these cassettes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many, how many of these people like they go to these artists page and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so, you know, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of one of the great names that's on there. Uh, depressive silence. That's a really old one. <laughs> But just for example, like Depressive Silence. I can't believe they just released that on cassette tape again. <laughs> I've never heard of this, but now I need it. Now I'm gonna buy it. Or <laughs> or whatever. Whatever. In, in any case, it's like it's like, you know, scarcity drives up demand, not necessarily prices in this mm-hmm. case. Um, except for when somebody goes and, and everybody buys them and then they go to Discogs and list it for like a hundred dollars mm-hmm. or something. For a cassette tape. Like, yeah. Nobody's going to buy that. I mean, maybe somebody will. Well, somebody I'm not. will. I'm not. <laughs> not us, but somebody will. So it's it's cool and weird. And, and I'm like, as I am think about these things and wonder what the heck's going on, I realize that I'm becoming part of this, this subculture that mm-hmm. <laughs> embraces this format. Yes. For some weird reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Cassettes to me, I'm just like it's a weird. Oh, it's a weird interest. I mean, I guess back in the day when that's what you had, that's what you used. But now with so many options, I'm like, why would you go back to cassette? Mm-hmm. It's poor quality, like poor sound quality. Poor longevity. Yeah. Like, of all the formats that we still use, it's probably the most likely to break or mm-hmm. wear out or degrade over time. Yeah. And then you were telling me that, like, it's recommended that even if you're not listening to it, that you still put it in there and, like, rewind it or something to keep the, the, tape, the tape from sticking together. Yeah, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And I always thought, you know, I was afraid I'd buy tapes and then they would be useless in, in so many years because... Uh, magnetic tape the the rotation apparently the rotation of the earth and the earth's magnetic field that's created um, is slowly erasing all the magnetic tape nice so how long that takes i don't know i mean are the, it maybe it'll be 100 years 200 years or whatever mm-hmm. for them to be erased uh, i'm sure it does slowly uh contribute to the the degradation yeah of sound uh but I did listen to a cassette tape recently that's like 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And I could tell it was old, but it still played. And I, could still, <laughs> I could still listen to it. And it was okay. So so it takes longer than 40 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wish I had known that at some point you were going to get all into cassette tapes again. A, I would have kept some of them. B, we would have kept some of them that were donated to the library. It's true. I remember we let the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack slip through our fingers. Why did we do that? I don't know, because it was on cassette tape. And we're like, who's going to want gonna this? Who's going to listen to that? <laughs> and here you are. Dang. That was a mistake. <laughs> so while we're talking about old formats, uh, yeah, I brought up, like, how far back would we go with this? Would we go, I, I mean, and even if you could, could you find something that's over a hundred years old recorded music for a reasonable price and still be able to play it. Like, uh, the early days they used the Thomas Edison invented the phonograph. Mm-hmm. I get, I get it mixed up cause there's a gramophone and a phonograph yeah. and 
and then I'd like amal- you know, mm-hmm. always say some amalgamation of those two things. Yep. But it was 1887, the phonograph, it was grooved cylinders, and then the large cone or mm-hmm. horn that you would use to listen to it. And there's a perfect example of this in Guillermo del Toro's movie Crimson Peak. Okay. Okay. Go on. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, if you want to see that, definitely check that out. Uh, great example. But it's a, a groove cylinder, and originally I believe they were made with like tin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have very much longevity, and then they went to wax, which still probably didn't have very much longevity. Yeah. Probably prone to melt mm-hmm. or just wear out. And if yeah. you dropped it, it was history. Yeah. Um, and then they eventually did the blue ambrol. I uh, don't know why they decided it needed to be blue, but that was the trademark color. It was a blue ambrol and it was like a... It was a much harder substance that you didn't have to worry about breaking if you accidentally dropped it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the limitations of the gramophone and these cylinders was that they can only record about four minutes worth of music. Wow. So it's not just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm done listening to that. Let me click on another song mm-hmm. and it'll play for me. You, It was an involved process of taking the cylinder out and switching it and listening to your song. And then when it was over, you had to switch it out again. I mean, even... With vinyls, you don't have to do that. You just have to turn it over mm-hmm. at the end of the first half. Um, and then radio uh, started becoming prominent. Um, it's invented in, ni- in 1895. And in a sense, you could consider that recorded music. Yeah. Because I'm sure they played um, played some recordings on there. You could listen to your news and your radio plays and things like that. Uh, Magnetic tape was first a thing in Germany, but the rest of the world didn't have it until after World War II. Oh. And so there's a couple different varieties of magnetic tape. There's the, um, what is it, the ones that we have now? It's like celluloid. Or something like that. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. It's that black filmy substance. Uh, but there's also steel magnetic tape, which yeah. I thought was just weird. Uh, heavy bands of, of steel magnetic tape. I'd never heard of that before. Uh, I mentioned Star Wars. I'm going to go over that again. Yeah. Even since we lost that part. Um. But I, I was reading this about about the magnetic tape in Germany, and I was thinking about the first Star Wars and how in in, in that movie they had the the data for the Death Star was on mag you know a magnetic uh-huh. tape yep uh, cassette tape that was where the plans were and it was like they're in space and they have hyperdrives and and com- space computers and, yeah all this and like technology. you know lightsabers but they still record their data on magnetic I was gonna put it on magnetic, on magnetic tape. tape. And since the empire is always, you know, kind of considered analogous to Nazi Germany in some regards, it's like, maybe, maybe that was a <laughs> Maybe a he reference. was actually trying to put a reference in there? Maybe, but uh, it's probably not. It's probably just me drawing that correlation. And it's probably <laughs> a stretch, but, but maybe. Maybe. Maybe coincidentally it's a, it's a, a reference on accident. Yeah. 
Uh, Wasn't there something about steel magnetic tape? Yes, the steel magnetic tape um, that is more expensive. I don't, I don't know if only the steel magnetic tape was um, was real to real. So the vinyl came out in in nineteen forty eight. That was the like when the first long plays started to to become prominent. Uh, they had like you know less less surf, surface noise than the shellac that they used um, after World War after World War Two. That was when they started doing the mm-hmm. the vinyl instead of shellac. So that's expensive and more reliable playback. Mm-hmm. But the real to real magnetic tape. So I was I wasn't sure what the the deal was with that as I was reading about it. But, uh, but instead of like the tapes we have now, where the whole tape is in there and you just put it in it, mm-hmm. it, it turns reel to reel would be, I guess, like the old, um, old movie recordings oh, where yeah. you have to put the reel in there and you and play then, it. Yeah. But the and then you have the reel to mm-hmm. to feed it back into, and there was mm-hmm. music recordings like that, and some some people, audiophiles would still swear by that. Yeah. Yeah, they're like the reel to reel magnetic tape just sounds sounds better and has higher fidelity huh. and, and we're not doing none of that vinyl stuff even though <laughs> even though what you needed to play it and the tape itself and everything was just way more expensive mm-hmm. and and more you know took up more space yeah some people swore by it uh, but long play vinyls were challenged in the 70s by the the home cassette tapes that we the way we know them now yeah and interesting yeah. Uh, they were still a thing, though. And that's where we get some of the extended play. The, mm-hmm. the smaller formats where they just have, like, one or two songs. Like, there's a song on the back or mm-hmm. something on the, on the front. Uh, the 7-inch varieties known as 45s. Mm-hmm. So, I guess because that's the 45 rotations per minute. Uh, so, they weren't they weren't phased out yet. Um, the real death of the, and not really death because vinyls are still a thing and they're a resurging thing, but um, 1982, the compact disc is what really changed the scene mm-hmm. because everybody, rec- you know, audiophiles recognized that you could record on a CD digitally mm-hmm. and with very little to no loss. Yeah. At least, you know, here really techno mm-hmm. um, expert audio files will, will tell you that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's up for debate, but I don't, we're not here to... Yeah. Can we're I not here to, to debate We're not that. here about it, to debate this. So the audio CDs are... And it is it is true as far as like compared to our digital music formats mm-hmm. that we listen to now or streaming or you know, Spotify and all mm-hmm. that. I, mean, I, lo- I love that because it's so easy and you can just listen to all kinds of different things. Oh, yeah. But for sure. There's definitely a different feeling when I put a CD in the CD player in the mm-hmm. car and it just sounds different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. CDs are nice. I still like yeah, CDs. Yeah, I still like CDs. We, we still like CDs. They're great. Mm-hmm. So, do you want me to tell you something cool? Yes. So, there's a. Um... A website called com, where 
you can have them press your ashes into a vinyl, into a playable vinyl. So when you die, and if you get cremated, your loved ones can then take your ashes to andvinally.com or however they're going to obtain your ashes mm -hmm. and be pressed into a vinyl. Before you die, you can set up your playlist however you want, or you can leave a message, or your last will and husband, whatever. Whatever you want. And let's see. So yeah, you can decide what you want on it. Um, you can see the entire process through to the point where you actually receive a finished playable record. So basically, you can do all the labels, sleeves, like all that kind of stuff. But they can't actually give you the finished thing because, you know, they need your ashes. The process takes about three to five weeks for it to, you know, until delivery. Um, the records are playable. You get just one copy. And it takes, like, each one takes about one teaspoon of ashes per record. So you can make a bunch of these. You can make a bunch of these, yeah. Um, you can work through your local funeral director. So if you've already got your arrangements made, you can be like, please send X amount of teaspoons to and finally. <laughs> now, as for the record itself, for a 12-inch record, they advise the audio time per side to be 18 to 22 minutes. So it's not going to be a whole lot. So I guess more like an EP instead of an LP. Yeah. <laughs> and you can put as many songs, tracks, audio, whatever, as long as it fits within that time. And they will accept formats, you know, from AIFF, WAVE, MP3. If you have some audio on different formats, like old VHS films, phone messages, or etc., they might be able to work with that. Mm -hmm. You can design your own artwork for it, and you can either get a 12-inch or a 7-inch. The cost is the same, so I don't know why you would go with the 7-inch, but whatever. It's up to you. That is really cool. I know, right? You can mm -hmm. only choose, you could do, you could choose to have only one side of playable music instead of two if you want to save money. Um, you can choose plain black, white, or clear plastic sleeves. So that way it doesn't have to be, like, stuff doesn't have to be printed on it. But it doesn't really tell you how much it costs. It's basically one of those things where you tell them this is what I want and they'll say this is how much it's going to cost. They're pretty neat, though. I will say. Look at that. That is really cool. So you can do different colors of vinyl if you want. And you can get several for different family members if you want. You know, if you're like, I mean, you're still going to need <laughs> all the all the ashes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's there. So, Yeah. Andvinally.com. Andvinally.com. I don't know if there's other places, but that's the that's the one I read about. But I was like, I want 
one or two times. That's pretty red. I just don't know what songs I would put on there because what I listen to changes so often mm. and what I get like really into changes so often. Yeah. I guess if I'm like, I've been digging the same thing for at least 10 years, then <laughs> it's probably a favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, and so here we are. We're back at the resurgence of physical mm-hmm. formats, especially vinyl. Yep. Um, in spite of streaming and MP3s, which if if we didn't mention it already, even that is becoming less of a thing. Yeah. You said you know people don't do their their iPods with their. Yeah, you rarely see people with a, any type of MP3 player. Mm-hmm. They Usually use their phone because mm-hmm. you just stream it from from wherever wherever, which is still it's still recorded somewhere. It's on a Mm-hmm. music server yeah with you know probably hundred, hundreds of other servers all stacked <laughs> together yeah uh, so is this the death of of recorded music i don't think so seeing how we went back to vinyl and cassettes you know i mean it's like the more we get into a form of technology that can make something so accessible to us mm-hmm. you know at any given point you could probably look up a song on anything and listen to it on youtube or spotify or pandora mm-hmm. or or just type it into google and be like song title and you'll find some some way to be able to listen to it mm-hmm it seems like the closer we get to having that just readily available, at some point we're like, as as a species, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, you know, it'd be cool if we brought back this really old thing. <laughs> we're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. And then we do. <laughs> and the nice thing, or it's it's cool. It'd be a chore, I'm sure, but it's cool that these physical formats like vinyls, uh, you know, even if there was no more electricity if you had the right kind of player mm-hmm. and the right mechanism set up you could still technically hear that music it would be very quiet and that wouldn't be amplified maybe you could set up a horn right again or something like <laughs> I'll that go all the way back <laughs> yeah but you could still play it and kind of listen to it mm-hmm. as where you know things that are streaming or you know, whatever it's like mm-hmm. bad, bad, bad emp hits and boom it's all yeah. gone yeah it's gone no more uh so according to this article that i i shared some of this history on they they their conclusion is that cds and vinyl records are going to remain a small market niche they don't think that that's going to be mainstream and i guess it's probably not mainstream anymore it's when you when you weigh the ratio of how many people just stream music and how many people still buy the physical format for all the music they listen to so mm-hmm. but getting all mathy and stuff <laughs> um i think part of that is probably people listen to more music now because it's so mm-hmm. readily available through streaming yes as where when you were limited to just what you could buy in a physical format right yeah you know, like when i still bought a lot of cds i would spend 
ridiculous amounts of money just because I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. I want to mm-hmm. listen to that. And I'd buy like $70 worth of CDs every month or something. Right. Yeah. And with Spotify, you know, you can listen to things that you you might like. And mm-hmm. then if you really like it that much, you can always go and buy the, mm-hmm. the physical format. Yeah. But there's or not Or you the... might only like one song out of an entire album. Yeah. And, and so then like, you just listen to that yeah, song. Yeah, just put that song somewhere, yeah. Yeah. And so so it's really nice for that reason that that there's not the the buy-in every time you you want to just give something a listen and, and mm-hmm. try it out. You can sample things. So do you want to talk about what you have yep. there? Yes. Uh, I do. What is that you have there? So I when we talked about talk, when we talked about this topic and for us to do it, I was like are we going to talk about how there are hidden messages in <laughs> vinyl? <laughs> <laughs> like when you play them backwards When you play and stuff? them backwards. There's satanic messages. And so I was like, I've, I'm going to look it up. And I didn't do a whole lot of research on this. Um, I think it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, but it's pretty funny. Um, I'm not gonna go through all of them. I don't think of what I've got, what I got going on here. But um, so there was a list of 15 examples of this. I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna go from 10 down. Okay. So Stormbringer by Deep Purple. Okay. 1974. So. Apparently, the album opener kicks off with the same gibberish spoken by Linda Blair in the horror classic The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Played backwards, it sounds an awful lot like, and there's a lot of expletives here, <laughs> but it sounds like what, um, it sounds like expletives and Stormbringer, so that it gives it that same kind of like possessed child feel okay. to it. Okay. So I was like, okay. Uh, that one I thought was pretty mild because mm-hmm. it wasn't like satanic. It was just, you just know. Expletives. It's just expletives. <laughs> so then there was Hell Waits mm. by Slayer, 1985. And um, Tom Mariah has admitted to opening their sophomore album with reversed voices chanting, join us 45 times. <laughs> Before finally culminating with Welcome Back. (laughs) (laughs) But he claims that the satanic imagery on the album art was solely for effect and not for genuine Satan summoning. So, just to be clear. (laughs) Which is usually the case. Yes. Uh, El Dorado by Electric Bike Orchestra, 1974. The title, um, cut of ELO's 74 album, was believed to contain the very specific message. He is the nasty one. Christ, you're infernal. It is said we're dead men. Everyone ha- everyone who has the mark will live. Songwriter and lead vocalist Jeff Lynne didn't take kindly to the devil-worshipping rumors, calling it Skolob. If you think about that backwards, it's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to the denials, he slipped intentional backwards messages into a few future songs. So he was like, all right, fine. Mm. So then he did it intentionally. Um, Fire on High, which appears to say the music is reversible, but time 
is not. Turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Uh, number seven was As Flittermice as Satan Spies by Dark Throne, 1994. Okay. This Norwegian death metal band was known for raising the bar and being hardcore. So it's probably not all that shocking that this album cut features back mass lyrics that say, In the name of God, let the churches burn. The song was written by the notorious Bard Bickerness, who later went to prison for murder. And yep. fittingly, the several counts of Church Arson. <laughs> yep. And We've talked about him before, we I We have. <laughs> We've talked about him before. I'm going to just... I'm just going to interject here. Uh, I think that during that era, Dark Tone would still be considered the second wave of black metal mm-hmm. and not death metal. Not death metal. Yeah. But, but you're close. They're, they're, they're close. I'm just reading what I know, the article not, says, not you, man. Not you, but them. They're, they're, they're close and... And wow, yeah, Vorg, I'm not surprised he had a hand in that. Because mm-hmm. he yep. burned churches and killed bandmates. Yep. So. Uh, number six was Dinner at the Deviant's Place by Cradle of Bills. This was actually not that recent, 2001. Uh, the underlying drone of gibberish within the song is actually the Lord's Prayer being recited backwards, which is commonly employed by to summon demons. Mm-hmm. The more you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> number five is Snowblind by Styx. 1981. So, the California state legislator and the PMRC insisted that these sticks lyrics contain satanic backward messages. Specifically the line, I try so hard to make it so, was said to be Satan moved through our voice when played in reverse. Hmm. Many felt that the comparison was merely coincidental, but but the organization used it as one of its prime examples by lobbying for stricter music warning labels. So the PMRC are the people that had them make those parent advisory labels yeah. that you saw, which I think just made record albums soar. But okay, yeah, because <laughs> then people wanted kids wanted to buy them more, mm-hmm. and I can diverge here. I'm yeah, like, I'll let you keep going if you need to keep the momentum. <laughs> yeah, as I was just gonna say, you know, there's I don't think there's any standardized process for putting that label on there, which makes it. Oh, yeah. Very much unlike the movie rating system, uh-huh. which movies have to have have ratings. As where that they just put slap that label on some mm-hmm. some album with explicit lyrics that they think that a lot of people are going to want to buy, mm-hmm. and then the ones that you know, there's so 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 many that yep. probably would have that if they were rec- you know recognized. Yeah. By that, but but no. Yeah, it's silly. It is silly. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Number four, Better By You, Better Than Me by Judas Priest, 1978. So, apparently the band got into some serious trouble after their alleged backwards messages tragically inspired two young men to commit suicide. Hmm. In 1985, Raymond Belknap and James Vance were hanging out, drinking beer, smoking a joint while listening to Judas Priest when they sent... When they sent... To a church play, so they went to a church playground and shot themselves with a twelve gauge shotgun. Though Nap was killed outright, but Vance survived before eventually dying three years later from complications. Mm. So he reported that he said, "We had been programmed. I knew I was going to do it. I was afraid. I didn't want to die. It's just as if I had no choice." He reported later. The men's 
parents filed a lawsuit which claimed the song encouraged listeners to commit suicide with a series of backward messages saying, do it. Hmm. That one was just, like, super sad, I think. Yeah. But I'm also like, well, okay. The White Album by The Beatles, 1968. So it says here that the first sinister message to appear in the Fab Four track was in the fade out to Strawberry Fields Forever, in which John Lennon seems to say, I buried Paul. This was part of the infamous Paul is Dead conspiracy, which claims that Paul McCartney was killed in a brutal car crash in 1966 and secretly replaced with a double. <laughs> According to the theory, the surviving members placed clues in their music and album art in order to tell the true fans what had happened. Clues were supposedly littered throughout their Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour albums, but 1968's so-called White Album was the motherlode. So the gibberish spoken by John at the end of I'm So Tired is heard by some as Paul is a dead man, miss him, miss him, miss him. But the freakiest message of all occurred near the very end of the record on the notorious avant-garde sound collage Revolution Number no. 9. An engineer's droning voice intones Number no. 9 throughout the plus-size track, but in reverse it appears to say, Turn me on, dead man. Upon closer examination, we're not entirely sure what that means. <laughs> I was like, but it's still kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Number two was Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, 1971. And this one, um, Jimmy Page and the Occult apparently go way back. He bought famed Satanist Aleister Crowley's mansion. And rumors persist to this day that he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for fame. In the early 1980s, um, some evan- evangelical broadcaster, Paul Crouch, leveled accusations at several notable bands that they snuck evil hidden messages into their music. He mentioned that if there's a bustle in your hedgerow segment of the Zep masterpiece, which appears to say, oh, here's to my sweet Satan, the one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan, he will give those with him 666. There was a little tool shed where he made a supper. Sad Satan. I'm like, these are really long messages. This is what it said playing backwards? That's, uh, yeah. I'm like, that was super okay. long. <laughs> uh, they're, um, the band was super not impressed. They declined to comment at the time. Uh, but Swan Song Records issued a statement reading, Our turntables only play in one direction. Forwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Several years later, Page did weigh in uh, to Musician Magazine, and he said, To me, it's very sad because Stairway to Heaven was written with with every best intention, and as far as reversing tapes and putting messages on the end, that's not my idea of making music. Mm -hmm. So, number one, which is my favorite, 665 by Soundgarden, 1988. Mm -hmm. Chris Cornell... um, decided or i just to be funny i think um he didn't do odes to satan he did odes to santa so um his backward messages are santa i love you baby my christmas king santa you're my king i love you santa baby got what i need (laughs) (laughs) just uh change things just up. to change things up <laughs> but i was like that's amazing 
Well, that was that was good. Those were definitely worth sharing. <laughs> I would try, I would see what my records sound like made backwards, but I don't want to damage my records. That's exactly what I'm what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't want to ruin my records. I don't care what hidden messages is there. Very cool. But I also think that you can hear all kinds of things if you're looking for it. There was um this audio thing that was posted on social media somewhere. I don't remember. Um, but a friend of mine played it. And he was like, what do you hear? What do you hear? And I was like, I don't hear, like, like a word? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't hear anything. Like, I don't hear a word. I just hear sound. And then he was like, okay, do you hear? And then he gave me a word. And then he played it. And I was like, okay, yeah. And then he was like, what about? And then he gave me another word. And then played the same thing. And I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, once you've been, it's like a power of suggestion. Yeah, yeah. it's like here's here's this. It's like is it saying this? And then you're listening for that. And I'm like, but just hearing the audio without being prompted in any way, I was like, I don't hear any words. I just hear sound. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you have anything else? No, I think that we said a lot. And as with many subjects, we could go on about this, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we'll revisit it once we listen to more vinyls. (laughs) Once we have a much better vinyl collection. Yeah, another another day, another (laughs) discussion about classic music formats. I I think it's really cool. I'm really happy to, to enjoy this format yeah well, i will say sonically i guess we can i can add this is that is that there's you know the discussion about what sounds better mm-hmm. and i'm not going to argue what sounds better yeah but I, I will say that it is a different listening experience mm-hmm. um, better i don't know if that's the best way to quantify it um but you can enjoy it in a different different way i know some people use terms like warmer or richer mm-hmm. sound um and i guess that you could say that yeah it if i was going to describe it i would just say it seems more tangible mm-hmm. like like you can you can you can feel it it's not just ones and zeros mm-hmm. it, you can you can hear the you can, sen- since the vibrations yes <laughs> which i thought was really cool the first time i remembered that i could turn my my record uh-huh. all the way down and put your ear <laughs> down to the the disc i'm like i can still hear the music <laughs> it's just the vibrations coming off of the needle yeah that that was so cool um and and yeah is it nostalgia sure there's a nostalgia yeah. aspect to it absolutely um but there's a an enjoyment of like my, 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 I'm putting my record on and I'm, I'm putting the needle mm-hmm. and it's it's a little bit more of a ritual that yeah. way than just flipping to Spotify and hitting you know hitting your track mm-hmm. on there um, and then you get to the end and you flip it over and it's the whole uh, it's the whole process of it that you enjoy mm-hmm. so that, that's been my experience so far I don't know if that is the same way you enjoy your your mm-hmm. vinyls, but yeah, yeah. All right, and if you want to read the brief history of recorded music, 
that I uh, got most of my references from during that little discussion. Um, it's on a website called cvromtogo.com. <laughs> so, if you want to hear any of these clips of backwards music, all of them were available on YouTube to listen to. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just if you dare. <laughs> if you really want. So this has been another episode of the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library. Thank you for listening, and may all your listening experiences, whatever format you choose, be a joy. Catch you later.